Wow, what an introduction, huh? Yeah. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you, Nina. Fabulous to be back here. Just love Bioneers. There's no audience in the world that's as enthusiastic as Bioneers. <laughs> so I know I'm standing between... <laughs> Thank you. You know I'm standing between you and lunch, so I'm going to keep this tight <laughs> and get out of the road. You know, nature has already solved every single problem facing humanity. Right? Some researchers say there are as many as 100 million species on Earth today, and we're only 1% of all the species that have existed. So a lot of species, and every one of those species has developed and evolved thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of solutions to the problems we need to solve. We can turn this world around through biomimicry, using nature as our model. What is biomimicry? I know a lot of you here know what that is, but there are a lot of new folks. And uh, I'm just going to recap it, and I'll go through a few little examples. Biomimicry is a design process that defines a problem and looks to nature for a solution. Or it's when somebody discovers an incredible solution in nature and applies it to human problems. So we'll just start with a quick example here. You know, there, there are more skin cancers diagnosed every year in the United States than all other cancers put together. There are over a 1,000 products marketed as sunblock. It's a $640 million a year business just in the US. But most of those sunblocks are actually ineffective, and many of them are toxic. They either cut out UVA or UVB, but they don't do both. And the chemicals that they're in get absorbed through the skin, and a lot of researchers are saying now that a lot of those chemicals are actually more injurious to our health than skin cancer. <laughs> so what can nature teach us about that? Well, you know, we've got a lot of organisms on Earth that have to put up with sunshine. So here is one of nature's really incredible masters of sunblock. <laughs> hippo sweat. So it turns out that if you get a drop of hippo sweat, put it on your hand, it'll spread by itself. You don't have to rub it in. It'll turn your skin a slight shade darker, which is kind of nice for us lily whites. <laughs> it's antiparasitic, antifungal, antiseptic, waterproof, cuts out UVA, UVB, completely non-toxic. It's being synthesized right now, and because it's a little hard to harvest. <laughs> and our gal up there probably doesn't want to smell like a hippo's armpit. So it's probably going to get some coconut oil added to it. You know, uh, humans have been, well, creatures of nature. We've been around for a very long time, short and universal time, of course. but. Surrounded by nature, we've copied nature. Up on the left, a potter's wasp nest. You know, I'd be thrilled if I could make something that good now. The, uh, the next one is a paper wasp nest. It's actually good, serviceable paper. It's made the same way we make paper, except we don't chew it and spit it out. Mostly. I remember classroom. Another one is uh, flight. You know, Australian Aboriginals, 40,000 years ago, evolved boomerangs, which are actually a masterpiece of design. The aerodynamics are quite fantastic. Defense, 
really big thing in the advance of civilization. Well, it wasn't lost on early peoples. So lizard, snake, fish scales have been mimicked with scale armor right around the world. All the world's civilizations have been biomimetic and have used the proportions of nature in art and architecture, pottery and weaving since the dawn of thought right up till the start of the Industrial Revolution when technology took us down completely different paths not mentored by nature. Unfortunately, those paths, as we all know, have led to our environmental crisis. But now we're taking a fresh look, and it's aided by advanced tools like electron microscopes, 3D printing, supercomputers, and Louis's incredible uh, slow-speed photography. We've got sharing. The internet has opened up this subject so that we can share it with our peers around the world in seconds once we have an insight. And entrepreneurial appetite, there are more graduates today than at any time in history, and they're looking for the next new thing. All our young people want opportunity. They want to succeed in life. We're looking for new things, and most of us know that there are problems. We're looking for a new direction. Janine Banyas only defined the word biomimicry 15 years ago. 15 years ago, there were really no biomimetic products in the marketplace. But now there are already more than 200 radically different innovations in the marketplace. Like um, plywood. Those who remember uh, Hurricane Katrina, remember the uh, trailers that couldn't be lived in because of the outgassing. Plywood has now been fixed with uh, non-toxic, non-outgassing glue that mimics the glue in mussel seashells as they cling to the rocks. And uh, many of you have heard of some of these things. Lotus sand, self-cleaning paint, because uh, a water lily will sink if it fills up with dirt and water. So the surface of the leaf rolls up water and dirt, and it rolls off. The kale in your vegetable garden does the same thing, as does the uh, wings of moths and butterflies who would drown if they got wet. Now there are 300,000 buildings in Europe already painted with lotus sand paint. They're self-cleaning. And one amazing thing is that if you get a, a teaspoon and paint it with lotus sand paint and put it in a jar of honey, when it comes out, it's completely clean, not a hint of stickiness. So sharks. You know, shark skin is so rough that carpenters used to use it for sandpaper. Without, I won't go into detail, and I really could talk here all day, and you know, that's, that's one of my uh, things that I have to deal with. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and, and Nina just asked me to promise that I wouldn't go over. So, so uh, anyway, this rough surface on uh, shark skin stops microbial growth or colonization. And without microbes, you can't have um, algal growth and you can't have barnacles. So some folks have synthesized that, and well, synthesized, copied it, and created a plastic film with the, uh, with the pattern you see on the lower right, and they're now putting it in hospital wards, on uh, walls and in uh, convalescing homes, etc., and on catheters, and it eliminates the need for antiseptics. And some other folks have um, created a, a paint and a stencil that can be painted on the surface of aircraft, so that aircraft become self-cleaning, that can save four and a half million tons of fuel a year. And if it's painted on the bottom of ships, 
There are 55,000 big ships in the world. And just 15 of those ships burn or produce enough emissions that it's actually more than the 760 million cars in the world, just from 30 ships, because they're burning the filthiest, nastiest garbage you've ever seen. It looks like liquid bitumen. And with this material put on the bottom of ships, it can save 100 million tons of fuel a year. So uh, spiderwebs, spectacular. Francesca took that photo. And uh, we know that web is incredibly strong, five times stronger than the best steel we can produce. But, you know, around the world, there's about up to a billion birds that die every year from banging into our windows. They don't bang into spiderwebs. Why is that? Birds see reflected UV, and spiders have worked that out, and they weave reflectors into their webs. So a product in Germany called Ornolux has replicated that uh, and put UV reflectors into windows. This is a window as we would see it. This is a window as a bird would see it. And it reduces bird strikes by 70%. So if it's fully implemented, that'll save up to 700 million birds a year. This little guy is uh, as long as half the width of your, as a single hair. Tardigrades, or affectionately known as tardies, or moss piglets, um, are everywhere. I'd love to tell you more about them. They're amazing things. But they can, be, they can dehydrate down to 3% of their water content. And they can hold that for 10 years. Then you just add a little water. They puff up, and they're back at it. So researchers have said, well, this is brilliant. Let's try that strategy on vaccines, where half of all vaccines don't get to their targets in uh, third world countries because there's no refrigeration. This is the answer to that. So, you know, I could, as I say, I could go on and on and on about the, the things in biomimicry and the things that are already succeeding. They all work. They truly work. They're proven. They're making it in the marketplace. Uh, and it's also being applied to electronics, software, nanotechnology, which itself is biomimetic. It's, uh, nature builds everything one molecule at a time. No offcuts, no sawdust. <laughs> so biomimicry is now being applied to pretty much every endeavor, or can be applied to pretty much every endeavor that humans do. So how did I become a biomimic? And uh, some of you know my story, and I'll just go through it very quickly. Uh, in the built world, in the world of technology and science, we think that because the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, if we want to use the least energy getting, um, say, fluids from this point to this point, you need to go in a straight line. It makes perfect sense. Unfortunately, that's flat-earth thinking. Because nature, not since the beginning of the universe, has ever demonstrated a single time where it's made anything go in a straight line. <laughs> Even the facet of a diamond on your ring, if you look at it under a electron microscope, or just under a regular good microscope, you'll see it's not straight. It's actually got curves in it. So if you think of the human cardiovascular system, we've got 60,000 miles of plumbing, and there's not a single straight line in there, and yet, it's far more efficient than any system that humans have designed for plumbing and pumps. 
So just look at seaweeds. You know, I noticed years ago that uh, seaweeds are quite fragile. You can break them off. But even in the wildest storms, almost all of them survive just fine. And I noticed that they're all changing their shape as the force of the wave goes past, and they're going into a spiraling shape. Well, it turns out that spiraling shape is exactly the same shape, geometry, as the whirlpool in the bath when you pull the plug. Now, every living thing goes through a liquid phase in its development, so it takes on the geometry of fluid flow. And all fluids flow in turbulent geometries, and turbulence is a collection of whirlpools. So every living thing, and every part of every living thing, is built to the geometries of whirlpools. And we see it in that seashell. We see it in the horns and tails and trunks of animals. This is the human heart muscle, is exactly that shape. On the left is a seashell, on the right is the cochlea of your ear. We hear this way, this is how sound propagates. Down on the left, another seashell. On the right is a DNA molecule, as it truly is. Buckminster Fuller um, demonstrated this, that it's actually a logarithmic unzipping or zipping angle on it. So that means it's actually got the same geometry as a whirlpool. And heat travels the same way. This is really fundamental because we uh, important because we live in a world where heat is everything. Our engines, you know, we don't fly around the world without heat. We don't uh, drive cars without heat. So um, if you want to optimize anything, we need to know what this is about. Uh, anybody guess what that is? I'll help you out. It's, um, it's actually the surface of the sun. <laughs> so here is an electron microscope photograph of a human skin pore. So people throughout history have recognized this shape in nature and seen it as symbolic of creation, of fertility, of the mystery of life. So it's the most common icon in all religious practice through history, from shamanic practices forward. The Renaissance artists reverse engineered these uh, geometries. All the geometries are whirlpools. And realism in art, if you want realism in art, you have to use these proportions. Um, um, plastic surgeons wanting to reconstruct a traumatized face use the geometries of whirlpools to give you back uh, your appearance. And the most notable buildings in the world in, pre in, in historic times are all built to these same proportions. So um, what do we do? I, Francesca and I have started a whole bunch of companies over the years, eight of them uh, in the last 20 years. All to do with biomimicry, and we set about copying these spiraling shapes and applying them to industrial situations. It was pretty tricky to try and work out what is the geometry of a vortex, because they're always moving. You see a tornado, it's always doing this across the landscape. They're not steady. In fact, that's the scientific term. It's unsteady flow. Eventually, after many years, we worked out how to freeze a whirlpool, and some of you have seen this before. It's that um, picture up on the right. It turns out it looks like uh, the x-ray of a, a lily from the garden, because every living thing is built to this shape. So what do we do with this? Well, this is an actual size piece of equipment that we build. And we put it on a little tripod, about three feet high, put a little motor on it. We drive it with the power of a couple of light bulbs, tiny little thing, and we put it in these water tanks where we store our drinking water. And we put this little guy in a 10 million gallon tank. Now, 10 million gallons is a lot more than this auditorium. It's 400 feet long, 30 feet wide. 
So you put this in there and rotate it, and what it does is it stops that water becoming stagnant because it creates a ring vortex, which is nature's preferred way of moving energy. That's a different story. And we reduce the amount of chemistry needed, chlorine, chloramines, etc. We reduce that in the water by uh, 85%. So, thank you. I'm going to have to move along, I see. So we've done literally thousands of prototypes. So I just want to move on to, OK, biomimicry is heading into the marketplace. And we've found four key differences between biomimetic businesses and general businesses. The first one was credibility. You can't go to engineers and tell them this will fix their, your problem for you. They think you've been smoking the wrong stuff. <laughs> We're now in 800 tanks around the world and 100% effective in 100% of applications. I was talking to, uh, I was giving a presentation to uh, some of the top engineers at United Technologies and their chief scientist interrupted me a few minutes into my talk and he said, this is rubbish, you're wasting our time. He said, technology shits on nature. And I thought, well, I have to agree with that, but not for the reason you're talking about. <laughs> so, uh, so we've had a... Uh, We've had that credibility issue. We're, I think we've come way past that now. People believe what we tell them. Biomimicry businesses are interdisciplinary. You have to have biologists and MBAs and engineers and physicists talk to each other. That's not traditionally what's happened. And they use different languages a lot of the time. So, and huge inertia. The problems of the world are already being solved. It's just long term they're not, right? So if businesses are already doing it, why should they change? So we've had to show them where the wealth is. Because what's a business about? It's about generating wealth that comes to the bottom line. So if you can show that you can create more wealth, you've got an audience. And the need for patience. Um, biomimicry projects take longer than dot-com businesses. <laughs> so the word biomimicry was uh, coined by Janine just 15 years ago. And it's now exploding, just in the last 18 months. There's a plethora of things coming out. It's in the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. There are books coming out. Two uh, really neat uh, movies are mainstream. Elementary, which is being screened here tonight. Prince Charles-backed Harmony movie. And uh, The Shark's Paintbrush, which uh, Kenny told you about. All the proceeds of which go to biomimicry education. And it's a must-read, especially if you've got young people in your lives that are looking for optimism and hope and opportunity for the future. This is a, a very readable handbook addressed particularly at them. So um, the opportunities for the future are absolutely enormous. The Fermanian Institute at Point Loma Nazarene University has predicted that within the next 12 years, there'll be a trillion dollars of GDP worldwide from biomimicry. This is no small thing. This is a proper survey done. And they're not alone in that. And there'll be 1.6 million US jobs created in the next 12 years. I can't imagine a single product in the world that can't be improved by biomimicry. In my view, and that of many others, nothing less than the, the overhaul of the entire industrial world is possible, probable, and inevitable. Biomimicry creates wealth, a whole new economy, 
at the same time as being sustainable. And look, if we're not sustainable, that means one thing, we're terminal, <laughs> right? So there is no choice. So I'm just going to end with one little thing. I did a lot of sailing, and I was sailing across the Indian Ocean from Sumatra to Sri Lanka at the bottom of the Bay of Bengal. I'd been down to the doldrums, and now I'd drifted out. We're sailing along, fairly calm, just a fairly slight breeze. And in the distance, I saw this island. It looked like an island. I got the binoculars. Yeah, there's some coconut palms. But we're 400 miles from the nearest land. And we're in 12,000 feet of water, so this is kind of surprising. I turned on the radar. Sure, it's all there, but it's not on the charts. Sailed up to it. What did I see? Three-acre island. It's got coconut palms as much as 10 feet high. It's got birds everywhere, it's got grasses and sea, you know, things have taken seed, lots of fish swimming around because the water's crystal clear, you can see all these small fish, big fish. And you know, this island was floating and it was made with all of the detritus that humans dump. There were seed containers, there were shoring timbers, there were coconuts, there were huge trees from rainforests, fishing nets, ropes, floats, and uh, a lot of flip-flops. And it had, what struck me is that nature had taken all of this garbage, collectivized it, turned it into a living argonaut, was taken across the, street, the, the sea, and it was reclaiming even the worst conditions and creating the conditions for life. Biomimicry is our tool. It is happening. It's exploding. I am very excited. Thank you. <laughs>